Hello, and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Krauss, Licensed Professional Counselor. Today's episode is the second part of wrapping up the last urgent episode that I put out on September 18th, 2019, regarding an urgent issue for licensed professional counselors and the state of mental health in Michigan. The title of the last episode was Urgent, Michigan Moving to Stop Counselors from Practicing, Michigan to Lay Off 10,000 LPCs, Licensed Professional Counselors, and an estimated 250 to 350,000 patients to lose their counselors. At showtime today, it already has over 600 downloads, and it was a serious situation. It's hard to explain how this situation came about, but I'm going to have some special guests that will do their best to explain why this happened. The good news is, as of today, October 24th, we know that Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan right now, is going to sign our bill on October 29th, 2019, which will put HB 4325 into effect and update all of the language that the licensing and regulatory authority thought was out of date from 1988 and it will actually up the standards of counselors in the state of Michigan with very high educational and supervision standards. In fact, I believe higher than many other states and matching many other states uh, that I have high standards, which is great. Uh, it continues to keep our scope of practice intact, which is diagnosing and treating the problem out of the DSM manual. There was a lot of strange things that led up to this issue where the licensing and regulatory authority of Michigan, who seems to know little or nothing about what we actually do, decided to override the Board of Counseling in Michigan and state that they were going to change the rules that had been existing for 31 years and move some things around. They assured us this wouldn't affect anything, but we have had over five lawyers and many lobbyists and other people and experts in the field around the nation look at it, and it was a strange stance to take as they stated it wouldn't do anything, but it would take away our right to diagnose that had been in effect since for 31 years. A strange bureaucratic move in a time when Michigan is one of the most underserved states by the numbers for mental health in the United States. In fact, I learned that Michigan has the worst school counselor to student ratio in the United States. We are 50, the 50, meaning the lowest. In Michigan right now, the leading cause of death for people ages 15 to 34 is suicide. Uh, Our state has been hit hard by the opiate epidemic, um, drug abuse. The suicide rates are rising. Teen depression is at an all-time high. And there are many other things going on in the state. So it seemed to be a very strange reason that the state would take these sort of measures. Now, luckily, the legislature acted. Uh, We already had a bill ready to go uh, that had actually been in effect, almost signed into law in 2018 by Representative Aaron Miller, who's a state representative here in Michigan. He did a great job, and the writers of the bill had actually taken about seven years to eight years to write the bill to make sure it satisfied the people in charge. Well, we had a new governor and a new changeover and a new person in charge of the licensing and regulatory authority. And also during Governor Snyder, the last governor who presided over the uh, the Flint water issue, he had moved 
the board of counseling and some other health licenses into the greater licensing and regulatory authority instead of the Bureau of Health Licensing. So there were some different things happening. And also, again, the major point is that it does not seem that the politicians know much of what we do. We had to educate them about what we did. There was a lot of misinformation out there. Um, the public only knows part of what we do. I don't think that we are representing ourselves to the public very well. And lastly, the science was quite unknown about the positive effects of counseling uh, by the greater public and, I believe, it appeared to be the legislature as well. There is so much science that backs what we do, and I am very upset with, uh, I guess, us as a profession and our overarching leadership in both counseling associations, I don't see the research front and center. And I think, yeah, we need to appeal to people culturally. We need to work on what are we good at? How can we reach people? What are we doing? All of that. But I also think what, what, what about the other side of it? What about the outcomes? And the outcomes are fantastic. For instance, Bruce Wampold's book, The Great Psychotherapy Debate, shows that in a very short uh, set of sessions, in 10,000 meta-analysis of different counseling studies, meaning that maybe hundreds or thousands of people were studied in each of the 10,000 studies, 79% of people did better after not many sessions of counseling than, than did not. Um, Actually, the American Psychological Association, who I do have a bone to pick with because I think they got a lot of uh, their mission and vision is a little twisted right now uh, about what they're doing and the way that they speak about diagnosis and the way that they uh, seem to have this attitude. Not, it's not really in their writing, but they have some great writing out about the outcomes of psychotherapy and how effective it is. And it's incredibly effective. And there's many articles on that on their website. And also that medications work better if they're paired with counseling. So all over the United States right now, we have primary care doctors who at the drop of a hat will either put somebody on a, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor or an antidepressant, or oddly enough, this is something I knew I've heard, which is a 30-day supply of benzodiazepines, which can cause depression, actually, if you didn't know that. They do help with anxiety. They're great but they're not supposed to be used daily. I mean, that is not really a very good idea. So, and they're not, a lot of PCPs, a lot of primary care physicians are not saying, also, you should go to counseling. I, I mean, some are, and good for them, but where the research isn't reaching them. And I don't know if the research about counseling is reaching psychiatry. I doubt it. Uh, there's been a split since the 70s between psychiatrists and uh, therapists. But the recovery outcomes of really well-done, empirically validated therapy by excellent therapists is phenomenal. Now, what we aren't grandiose. When things are going wrong, we will up the level of care, okay? Maybe you need to go see a doctor and get a medication. Maybe you need intensive group therapy. Maybe you need hospitalization. But one of the other things we forget is that counseling is one of the most economically utilitarian interventions. It is the cheapest intervention because it's prevention in a way, or it helps people who are pre-crisis or pre-needing detox to slowly get better instead of ending up costing thousands of dollars in emergency rooms. I don't have the statistics on me right now because this is not a regular episode. This is basically a one-off episode, but the emergency room rates 
of people going into the emergency room are climbing all of the time, and a lot of them are psychiatrically related. Their panic attacks, their anxiety, their depression, and these are regular folks. These are not your your population that frequents the emergency room. And so emergency room visits are up hugely in the last four to five years. You can look that up. I have statistics on that, but this episode is not about statistics. I think in the future I'm going to make another episode all about quoting statistics. But today's episode is about the conclusion to our situation in Michigan, and I do think it sets a precedent and a very scary precedent for the future of counseling in this country, and that includes social work therapists, uh, marriage and family therapists, and unfortunately, in Michigan, we noticed a large divide between the group of psychologists in Michigan who do not think we are qualified to practice. When all of the studies that I have read about this show that there is no difference in outcome between a licensed psychologist and a licensed professional counselor or social worker. It all depends on the person and their style and their outcomes and the common factors. It does not depend on the degree. Um, But there was a lot of negative, negative um, pushback from them, double talk, and in in some instances, I would say lies, but they were quoting statistics from the 80s, so I guess that's not really a lie. It's just, it's old information. They're quoting it as it's present day information. Um, and I'm very disappointed uh, at their organization. They were the only organization that opposed our bill to the end. Every other organization, including the medical doctors, the psychiatrists, and everyone else, um, when it comes to lobbying, were neutral or positive for the bill because it was a no-brainer bill. It was a obvious bill because it would have taken LPCs out of practice in Michigan. So I'm going to have some people that have recorded some things on this episode, different people, Uh, Because there was also another story, is that four to six weeks, LPCs, licensed professional counselors all over the state, were faced with possibly the idea of losing their job. And this was an imminent threat. The licensing and regulatory authorities stated that they would go through with these rules. They were going to have a day where we could all testify. And we were there. There were over somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people in Lansing to protest and comment on the rule changes. Uh, But these might have gone into effect uh, before December of 2019. So here we are trying to help people, and our jobs are at risk in this state. And that was a really difficult time. Luckily, we had a lot of leaders come out of the woodwork, including the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, which had been leading. They didn't come out of the woodwork, but people came out of the woodwork. We formed email chains and a Facebook group where we could work together. But a lot of people were scared, and a lot of people... We're worried, and I think that this is definitely preventable. My issue is that licensed professional counselors, I'm glad that we all go to these great trainings and do all this cool stuff, but we need to also, unfortunately, get into politics because that's how we can affect change on a greater level. I know you want to help people, but if if the politicians and the greater public don't see the value in what we do and see the impact and the outcomes, then we're expendable. And so that was very clear to me that we cannot be naive about the fact that even moneyed interest groups may not want us having positive outcomes because they have a better, they have a different product, maybe a pill, maybe something else that they want to sell to people as uh, a measure. And what we're doing is we're trying to empower people to be their best self, to be able to over, you know, a diagnosis should not be for life. The diagnosis is that you meet this criteria for a certain number of days or weeks or times. A recent EMDR study showed 
that after only five to nine sessions of EMDR therapy, many war veterans did no longer meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, no longer met the criteria. They might have met the criteria for depression or generalized anxiety, but they no longer met PTSD, which means the point of counseling is to recover, to get out there, to do something. And I think that there is unfortunately a large segment of our healthcare system that is preying on the fact that people believe they have a certain diagnosis and that somehow it's valid and that they will always have that diagnosis. I mean, the point of cancer is to get rid of cancer. So the point of having obsessive compulsive disorder is to get it to, so you no longer meet the criteria and that maybe you only have a couple symptoms here and there, not to uh, label yourself, I have obsessive compulsive, I'm going to have to take a certain medication for life and be in therapy for life. Our point is to help people and empower the public. And I do think that's a radical and dangerous idea at this time when the mood of the country seems to be towards um, basically more of an authoritarian rule. So counselors, you don't, if you if you're afraid to fight, pay someone to fight. So the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, I'm very disappointed to say we only have about 1,000 members and we have 10,000 licensed professional counselors in the state. That is pathetic, um, very pathetic. Our dues are only $100 a year. If you can't afford it, you're budgeting wrong. I'm calling you out. Uh, the Michigan Psychological Association, which has a lot more members than us, has $300 a year. I understand that they may make more money due to their status, but we need to understand that fighting for our licenses is only part of it. We're fighting for children. We're fighting for the disenfranchised. We're fighting for the widow, the orphan, people that, the immigrant, the people that can't defend themselves because they need counseling services, and we are the front lines. We are out there. We are in the clinics. We are in community mental health. We are in the prisons. We are in the schools, and we care, and we get outcomes, and we use empirically valid techniques, and we know how to diagnose if we need to use that tool in order to find a better therapy or treatment plan. So counselors, this is not about your, just your job. I get, I get that fear motivated everyone to get together, but this is about the greater good of our state. This is about the greater good of our country and really the world. And so I understand that you all have student loans or whatever, and that's difficult. Budget the money. It's $100 a year to join. It will empower us to not only keep paying our lobbyists who I know is working under what they normally get paid, and it will also help the leaders to have more meetings, to have more trainings, to outreach the governor, to outreach uh, uh, senators and reps, to maybe build more mental health programs in Michigan, which is a dismal state in terms of mental health funding and in terms of mental health application. And to be honest, we are f very far behind other states in terms of our empirical models, our paradigms. We are still so hung up on stuff from the 60s, and we need to get with the trauma-informed literature. We need to get with the neurobiology. We need to get with the way, now not the intervention per se, but the way we view clients, the way we view patients. Uh, Michigan is the Stone Age right now, and we need more, we need better, we need excellence. Um, so that while everyone feels like, oh, why did they pick on us? Well, they picked on us for a reason, because we aren't organized and because there are some people in this profession that, you know, they just want to help people. We don't want to get involved politically. We're not throwing our fist in the air, but guess what? I'm sorry, we are under attack. Empathy is under attack um, in, in our current culture. It is. 
and there are studies showing empathy is going down. Look it up. It's on Google. I don't need to quote statistics today. So that's the conclusion of our situation in Michigan. I'm going to let some people talk about what happened during and after the fight for HB 4325 for us to retain our scope of practice and up our standards here in Michigan. Thanks so much for listening. This Hi, is Paul Krause. my name is Napoleon Harrington, and I'm the current president for the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, also known as Mahaka. I am a licensed professional counselor practicing clinical mental health in Southfield, Michigan at Ambassador Counseling and Resource Group, which just recently celebrated a 10th birthday, so we're very proud. On behalf of the legislative committee that's been responsible for producing and guiding House Bill 4325, we would like to say a tremendous thank you to everyone who has done anything related to support and the furtherance of the bill. All of your activity and support has really sought to address one of the biggest potential mental health crises in Michigan that it has seen in recent years. You are on the ground floor of the start of a mental health movement that definitely shows that we have committed professionals in our industry galvanizing around the idea of mental health, wellness, and being able to appropriately address these kinds of situations. In my 14 years as a professional counselor, I don't know that I've ever seen such a powerful response by our profession to any major topic. In fact, it's been quoted to me that Michigan and Michigan's legislature has not seen a showing like this magnitude around the idea of mental health and wellness. You have proven that this is a very important topic. With respect to the bill, the bill only seeks to codify our scope of practice as well as educational training and supervision requirements. These are the requirements that we've been practicing under virtually for more than 30 years. And based on the administrative rules uh, that have truly created our license, we are well within our right to continue practicing. Just to be clear, we are not seeking to expand our scope. We don't need to expand our scope. For everyone that we need to work with who could be a potential partner in the wellness of the people that we're working with, we refer out to psychiatrists when that is necessary. We may refer out to a social worker when that uh, facet is necessary. Um, and we definitely could not effectively serve many of our clients without this uh, reciprocal work. We disagree with any notion about whether or not there's a discrepancy between statute and practice. We don't ascribe to that idea. We've added explicit language into the bill to ensure that only those who are properly and appropriately educated and trained in diagnosing and treating mental and emotional disorders are licensed. And that does not seem to satisfy the folks who are opposing the bill. But we've added language to make sure that all of those questions are answered and satisfied. This has been a very critical time in our society. I am very excited to be at the ground floor of something so powerful. Uh, this mental health movement, I can't wait to uh, see the results of how much we've impacted Michigan's um, mental health system in such a positive way. I am bringing every ounce of courage that I have to the Michigan mental health movement. I hope you are too. 
Hello, my name is Lanisha Murphy, and I am a licensed professional counselor here in the great state of Michigan. I'm here today to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, my profession. Right now, it is under siege and under attack, and I am here to defend it vigorously, as well as all of the people that I am privileged to help and serve. Right now, the state of Michigan's LARA, the License and Regulatory Affairs Board, is trying to state that I'm practicing outside of my scope of practice, which means I'm doing things that I haven't been trained to do. And that simply is not the case. Um, I am, uh, I finished my KCREP, which is a accrediting body that says, hey, your program is great. You did a good job picking this one. Um, I finished my program at the end of 2011 and was licensed in 2012. I finished 3,000 hours of um, counseling uh, as a limited licensed professional counselor, of which Lara stated I was good to go and good to do that in uh, 2000, um, starting in 2012. Um, I did that under the supervision of a more seasoned licensed professional counselor. And uh, I took the national counselor examination. And then I believe it was in 2015, I was granted my full license because I satisfied all of the requirements to do so. Took me a little longer than most, but waited to take my exam. So after that, um, I liked my supervisor and I thought, wow, she's doing a really great service for us LLPCs. So I decided to become one. So I took a, I took a class um, that was, um, I believe, about 35 hours, and which is um, five hours over what the state of Michigan required at that time. And then I um, became a approved clinical supervisor, which is a national credential. Um, so now I am a supervisor that supervises other limited licensed professional counselors now that I'm a fully licensed professional counselor. And so I help them hone their craft. Um, under these new rules by Lara, they basically want to get rid of all of that. They want to say that I'm not eligible to diagnose because I haven't had the proper coursework or training. They want to say that I'm not able to apply counseling techniques because I haven't had the proper coursework or training and that, you know, this whole supervision thing is also not okay. Well, I think I've done a pretty good job as a therapist. I think I've um, helped people move from depression um, to having a life worth living. I think I've helped people move beyond suicidal ideation so that they can live. I think I've helped a few people move past anxiety. Um, we as counselors help save lives here in Michigan. As a whole and as a body, we have helped kids move out of darkness. We have helped people that were in sex trafficking. We have helped kids who have been abused and neglected we have done everything that you can do in terms of helping people move from darkness to light. And now Lara wants to snuff out that light. That's not okay. It's just simply not okay. The answer to this is House Bill 4325. And what that does is simply put in some additional language that apparently Lara wants to hear and says that, yes, counselors are able and trained because they have gotten the knowledge to diagnose and that we are able to use counseling techniques because we do actually have counselor in our name. I know for myself, I had two separate courses on diagnosis. Um, I also had a class on assessments 
And I had no less than five courses that solely focused on counseling techniques, not to mention the interweaving of all of those different things in all of my coursework. Lara's rules are basically saying that for the last 30 years, all of the other Lara directors, all of the attorneys general, all of the other boards, well, they just didn't know what they were talking about. And that all of the counselors and all of the counseling programs and all of KCREP and all of these individual people and groups and bodies and boards just had no clue. They were all clueless. They knew nothing of what they spoke. And that now this new board and this new director and these new people, they're the ones with the answer. I think not. We as counselors have amongst the fewest complaints with the Lara board, you know, and everyone that knows and is in the know are in disagreement with this rule change. The Board of Counseling didn't agree with this change. Um, The bill HB 4325 passed unanimously out of the House Health Policy Committee. This is the time to stand up. This is the time to talk to your senators, your House of your leaders in the House of Representatives. This is the time to talk to the Lara Board. This is the time to talk to your governor and you let all of those people know you will not stand to lose your counselors in this great state of Michigan. There are over 10,000 of us. We likely serve between 150 to 300,000 people. Think of what would happen to the great state of Michigan, who is already in a mental health crisis, if we lose 10,000 of our best and brightest individuals. Think of what happens to those children who are being bullied at school, who decide to take things into their own hands because they don't have a counselor to talk to because we're in schools too. Think of that grieving husband who just lost his wife, who doesn't have his counselor to talk to. Think of the anger, the sadness, the grief that he no longer has someone to talk to after the loss of his loving spouse of more than 20 years. Think of that young lady whose urges to cut have just resurfaced and she no longer has a licensed professional counselor to talk to. Think of all of those people who have now lost their lifeline to hope. I sincerely hope that the state of Michigan does the right thing and passes HB 4325 and that Laura holds off or even decides not to, which would be the best answer, to go through with their proposed rule change. Michigan can't afford to lose us. Thank you for watching. My name is Jim Blundo, and I am the executive director of the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association. And I was the developer of it since 1983. And I worked with um, Sue Schaefer, who uh, wrote part of the bill. We were able to get a law passed in 1988, and I thought we were in good shape. And then we continued to get more insurance companies to reimburse, um, but we weren't able to get Blue Cross until the Affordable Care Act passed, and then we were able to negotiate that. So I'm very proud of uh, what we've done to uh, make this profession. We've really made the profession by, by our actions and we had a lot of support over the years. Um, I thought we were in good shape until the 
Lara situation. And a few years ago, we started negotiating. Uh, they claim we hadn't, but we have. And uh, nothing got ironed out in the best of ways. And the worst thing was is that Lara decided this past summer <clears throat> to not um, um, follow the dictates of the scope of practice as they're done by the Board of Counseling. The Board of Counseling, to their credit, voted against that because they didn't feel that was a, a legal act. But they went ahead anyway, and they put those rule, new rules into place, which is really to reduce our scope of practice. Some people don't know what a scope of practice is. When a law is passed, there's a scope of practice that's developed and tweaked by the Board of Counseling to fit the needs of the profession and to help with the regulation of it. Um, so we've run into a big administrative issue, which was as they were going to implement the new rules, which would have re reduced our ability to test psychotherapy, testing, and lots of portability for counselors. So we got to work. A bunch of us worked really hard, and um, House Bill 4325 was actually passed by another number last year, and in the December um, 20th, um, it was dead-ended because we passed in the House and Senate, and then it was blocked by uh, technical things and other things that we don't fully understand. So we reintroduced that bill in January, and we're really amazed. Um, um, Andrea Cascarella is our lobbyist. Uh, she works for Acuitas, A-C-U-I-T-A-S, L-L-C. We hired her go <clears throat> in July, <clears throat> and she was able to get the bill um, forwarded easily into the fall session, which is called a lame duck session. When that failed, we had to fight again, and so she did a great job getting our bill out front and on the docket because we knew we had to work very quickly in order to avoid the rule changes that would have destroyed this profession. So thanks to her, thanks to Sue Schaefer, thanks to Irene Amatrano. Dr. Amatrano has um, been instrumental in helping us to find much of the details. So the bill was written and uh, tweaked to, to try to accommodate as many other folks uh, in the professionals that we could do. And uh, we were able to um, satisfy all but the American Psychological Association, the Michigan Psychological Association, and some other folks who sort of re remain neutral. So the good news is that that bill passed in the House by, um, it was unanimous. I never in a million years would have thought that. It also passed in the Senate unanimously, both in the committees and as well as the full Senate. And last Thursday was a Great moment. If anybody didn't see that, they really missed a great moment for counselors. And now we're on, we're really on the forefront of the profession of delivery of mental health counseling for Michigan citizens. So I'm really quite thrilled. Um, here's my scoop. Um, Tuesday, October 29th at 11.30 a.m., uh, the governor is going to sign our bill into law. And uh, I can't tell you how excited I am. Um, that won't be an open event, but following it, um, we are going to have um, an informal um, reception, I'll call it, of the signing success. It's gonna be held at the Radisson um, Hotel at the restaurant. 
and um, what will be the best thing is for anybody who would really like to be part of it. There's no charge. The food, drinks, whatever be on your own, but we'll be there. And we would love to have some donations also because this has been a very expensive ordeal. Uh, even more, what we do is we want members because I know some people um, have joined. A lot of people have joined. But um, so far, we're closing in on 1,000 members. There are 10,000 uh, LPCs in Michigan. We would think that we should have double or triple that by now. And the more money that we bring in, the better we can accommodate you. Um, and here's why. The lobbyists cost a lot of money. The continuing use of the lobbyists is, is extremely important. We just, uh, today I found out that uh, there is a group I won't identify yet. It's very upset that we are able to diagnose. Um, so they're reacting after the fact. But we, we run into lots of resistance in different ways. But the, the thing they can't take away is once something's put into law, they can't make administrative changes. Uh, this is solid. It's probably the most solid ground licensed professional counselors have ever been on. I'm very proud to be part of that and, and to have a great board, uh, Napoleon Harrington. I'm sure you've seen lots of videos of him. Uh, he is a great spokesperson for us. Um, and we're really excited. And we're going to have a series of... Um, Victory parties, or I don't know what you want to call it, but we'll come up with some uh, different locations. We've had a number of people who are interested. We want to keep you engaged. There, there are about 100 people who volunteered uh, to help. We'd like to find ways to engage you. It's a little harder, you know, like when the war is on and you win the war, then you don't want to let everything go. So we're really anxious to keep you engaged. We have a number of ideas. We really have a plan. It's been in place and it's just getting stronger. And now we really have a plan which is going to take us forward, including one of our major um, concerns and, and advocacies is the Medicare inclusion for LPCs. I'm on the board of directors of the American Mental Health Counselors Association, and we uh, have lots of ways to try to look at dealing with that. Uh, we've worked very closely with Senator Stabenow, and we would like to continue moving that piece because a lot of LPCs are not able to practice because of the Medicare connection to the Medicaid. Uh, so I'm all about uh, living wages for counselors. We need it. We're there. We're finally accepted in the, in the fullest sense. And uh, I want to reiterate something that Napoleon said. Please send a um, card to your uh, legislators. We have a, they're not our enemy. They're our friends. And they, 100% of the House and Senate, Republican, Democrat, or anything else, everybody came on board because they know the need. They know the mental health system is broken in Michigan, and we're going to really make an impact on it. I'll just give you one example. Uh, about six weeks ago, um, Andrea Cascola told us about the Michigan Department of Corrections study that showed that corrections officers were suffering from PTSD suicide isolation, suicide, broken marriages, a whole myriad of problems. And we thought the best thing to do is her um, representative for health policies, and we did. So I brought together seven of the best people I could find in our profession, and they made a hugely beautiful presentation 
about everything from wellness to uh, PTSD to depression and suicidology. We, we covered everything we could, and they were very impressed. So you can see a reason why we want to keep our lobbyists on top of the other things to protect our license. It's also to advance our profession. So I'm hoping that you'll donate money to us. Go to mmhca.org. Uh, you can donate through two ways. One is the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association. Um, that money will go for lobbying and other public policy things. If you want to gift money, and some people have, uh, we have a new corporation called the Michigan Mental Health Providers Association, and the invitation is for them to uh, form alliances with us, the other professions, and for people who would like to gift money because it, it's in terms of taxation of 501c3, you can write your, you can get a write-off in a different way with the M with Mahaka. So anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm talking on, I'm sorry, go, but I'm so excited and I'm so glad I've been part of this for all these years. And uh, we have a great future ahead of us. And I, I want you to be part of it with us. Uh, we're going to lay out some of the details of where we're going and what we're doing in, in, future, um, in future videos. So this is my first attempt. I'm really, I'm hoping that you uh, will treat me kindly. And I really look forward to the 29th, um, probably somewhere around uh, 12 or 1230 at the Radisson Hotel in downtown. Lansing, easy to find, look it up, Google it. Um, lunch on your own, drinks on your own, enjoyment on all of us. So look forward to seeing you all. Thank you. This is Napoleon Harrington, the president for the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association. And today's Monday, but it's a different kind of Monday than we have ever experienced before in our profession. This is the Monday after the passage of House Bill 4325. What significance does that have? Well, it has a tremendous significance if you're a licensed professional counselor, or if you're a client of a licensed professional counselor, or if you're a family member of a licensed professional counselor, um, our passage of our bill helped to protect our license. It helped to codify in statute the work that we do and continue the work that we do for the people that we serve. I'm very proud to be a part of the Michigan mental health movement that has been created based on the work that we've done. I'm also very happy to be able to stand on the shoulders of people, giants, who have started the work far back in the 1980s, and now seen this work all the way through up to today. Um, so I'm deeply ingratiated to those folks who have made it possible for me to do something as significant in the profession and gave us the opportunity as professional counselors to do something as significant as we did over the past few weeks. Um, I don't know if you all realize this, but in a short amount of time, we made a tremendous amount of noise. And I am forever grateful for all of the folks who responded to any message, any email, any conversation. Um, I'm tremendously grateful for your response because 
it definitely showed the Michigan legislative body that we are very serious about our profession. We love the work that we do and we're proud to do the work that we do and we wanna do it with integrity and with fidelity. So thank you to every professional counselor who responded. Uh, I, I will forever love you for what you've done um, and we will continue to fight this advocacy fight. Also, I definitely wanna thank the family members who uh, lent out those licensed professional counselors for that time frame. We were doing a lot of vigorous work in a short amount of time and husbands, wives, children gave up their time with their family members to let them advocate. And forever, I will appreciate that as well. Honey, thank you for the time that you let me uh, spend doing the work that we've done. I promise you, I think I owe you so many dinners uh, for the rest of my life. Um, so thank you for those families that lent out those leaders to do this work. Also, I wanna say thank you to the legislators that responded, um, not just to the licensed professional counselors, but the constituents in their uh, areas. You showed Michigan that you truly listened to the voice of Michiganders in your districts, in your area, and we appreciate everything that you've done for that. Um, and we are certainly going to make the rest of uh, our profession proud by responding to your um, your steps forward to help mental health in Michigan be a very significant um, a very significant uh, move in our field. So I want to talk a little bit about next steps, professional counselors. I know that you are definitely thinking about um, what we should do next. And first and foremost, I want to let you know that House Bill forty three twenty five is waiting for the signature. Uh, of the governor, um, and we are hoping that that, that 14-day clock um, begins as soon as it reaches the governor's desk um, as procedure states. So we're waiting for that clock to start, and the signature will uh, take place shortly after that. Uh, and of course, we don't anticipate any delays or any problems with that. Um, so hang tight, licensed professional counselors. We're certainly uh, on the final stretch. We're also planning a celebration. And as soon as the signature takes place, we'll be able to announce the date and the time of our uh, celebration. And we wanna invite folks from far and wide to join us at our celebration. The location of course is to be determined, but the goal is to make it centralized enough so that as many people can participate. We also are going to have satellite celebrations on Facebook and we're coordinating with our team to make sure that we have a satellite celebration, meaning you go Facebook Live in a variety of different places to celebrate, and that date will also be announced. Um, we're just very excited that what we've done has culminated to something as special as this. And counselors, you are uh, the epitome of grassroots advocacy. I'm very grateful to have heard what Senator Vanderwall said in that health policy uh, committee meeting of the Senate when he talked about how grassroots advocacy was reflected in what we did and it made us extremely proud to be the folks who led the charge for that. So um, I want to make sure that all of you know that we are moving forward. Everything is on uh, pace and again, we're grateful for everything that you've done. And I just wanted to make sure that, that this message went out 
to keep you thinking about how much impact you've made in the state of Michigan, what kind of history you made in the in your profession, uh, and we're grateful for all of everything you've done. I will come out with another message so that everybody knows when the signage will take place and uh, and and go from there. So thanks again, Michigan counselors. You are the bomb.com. And I can't wait to see you all when we're celebrating together for such a historic and monumentous thing that we've done. I almost forgot to mention something that we should be doing is sending out thank you notes to all of our folks who did something within this uh, period of time that was beneficial or helpful to us. We should certainly be sending thank you notes to our legislators, uh, not by email, but handwritten thank you notes, uh, a card, grab a pack of cards from uh, Hallmark or uh, the dollar store or what have you, get some get some cards and send, send out thank you notes because in an age where uh, gratitude seems to be lost, I think it's very important to demonstrate not just that we're grateful, but that we can add a very extra special touch to our gratitude. Um, so if we're able to fill out thank you cards, make sure you do that um, because they definitely serve a greater uh, value than the emails or the phone calls. Um, so let's go thank you notes now. No emails, no phone calls. Uh, the sooner we can get those out, the better. And I just wanted to make sure I added that point because it's a very nice touch to tell someone thank you because those are two words that we don't often hear in our society today, but they are certainly sweet to our ears. All right, next video will come relatively soon. Thank you, professional counselors. Thank you, families. Thank you, friends. Uh, thank you, colleagues, for doing everything that you could to make sure that House Bill 4325 was not just passed, but also historic for us. Thanks. Hello, thank you, Paul, for having me on your show. My name is Deanna McIver, and I am a licensed professional counselor at Pediatric and Adult Behavioral Counseling in Bloomfield Hills. I specialize in helping children and teens ages six and up. I am a huge advocate of House Bill 4325, and this is why. In 1998, I was 16 years old. I was my parents' worst nightmare. I snuck out. I skipped school, smoked weed, hung out with all the wrong crowds, did all the wrong things. I never listened to my parents. In fact, my parents will vouch for me and tell you that I told them if they stopped making rules, then I would stop breaking them. It got so bad that my mom dropped me off at my brother and sister-in-law's house in the middle of the night and said, she's yours, you deal with her. I lived there for about three months before I was kicked out for throwing a party when they weren't home. I moved in with a friend of mine, and within six months, I got busted with an OUIL. I was then court-ordered to see a counselor, amongst other things. This is when I met my counselor, Stephen. I had been through so many therapists throughout my lifetime that he was just another face to me. Another adult trying to tell me what to do. I refused to talk. My arms were crossed. He wasn't going to get anything out of me. What does he know that I don't already know or that somebody didn't already tell me? Yeah, my life sucks. But what? Are you going to be the one to fix it, Mr. Tough Therapist Guy? This is what I'm thinking in my head as a 16-year-old. 
So for three months, three months, I went once a week to see him. I would fall asleep to countless educational videos about alcoholism and substance abuse. But before every video, he would kindly ask me if I was ready to talk. I'd shake my head no, he'd pop in another video, and I would take another nap. He never forced me to talk. He didn't talk to my parents behind my back about me. He didn't say, I can't help you. He didn't stop treatment. He didn't even challenge my resistance. But you know what he did do? He didn't give up on me like I had, like everybody else did. He just met me where I was and eventually a therapeutic relationship was formed. It wasn't suicidal, but apparently all the risky behaviors I was engaging in could have killed me. I honestly don't think I would have cared at that time because I thought I was having fun. He helped me overcome severe depression and earth-shattering low self-esteem. He saved my life. I owe him the biggest thank you of my life. I knew in my heart that I want to do the same thing that he did for me. I want to instill hope. I want to help someone realize that they are not alone. I want to educate and empathize, normalize, show compassion, and teach emotional intelligence. I want to build self-esteem and help other people the way he helped me. Mental illness affects an estimated 160 million people in the United States. That means many of the people around us, ourselves included, could use some love, kindness, patience, and help from a mental health professional like I did when I was 16. We become LPCs because it is our passion. This is what we want to do. We want to help people fight their battles so they don't have to do it alone. We want to help our patients feel just a little bit better, safer, and more in control of their own life. I don't know how many lives I personally saved, like I bet a doctor or surgeon would. But what I do know is that my therapist, Steve, he saved my life. I know that every suicidal patient I've had since 2011 is still breathing today. I know that it is clinically proven that for the past 30 plus years, LPCs bring value into this world. We save lives. We need more of us, not less. This is why I support House Bill 4325. Thank you. And there you have it. This has been Paul Krause, another episode of The Intentional Clinician. I am now going to be returning to regularly scheduled programming, which includes episodes where I actually quote and read statistics, my personal opinions in psychotherapy, counseling, philosophy, great guests coming up, um, very cool authors. I'm getting to interview three authors that I know of right now that should be on the show quite soon that I think you're really going to like in terms of philosophy and some people that are also in the field of counseling and psychology. 
Uh, I really appreciate everyone who lent their voice to this episode. And as I said before, if you're not a member of the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, it costs $100 a year and it gets you a lot of great benefits and also you get to keep your job. So check out their website. It'll be in the show notes. Um, In terms of this episode, of course, these are my opinions uh, mixed with facts. If you need a counselor, please find a local licensed professional counselor in your area by going to Psychology Today, by calling your insurance company, by searching the internet, by asking your friend who a good counselor is. Uh, If you're in the Grand Rapids area, of course, I am the clinical director at Health for Life Grand Rapids, which is home of the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids, and you can find us on the internet Uh, Our link is in the show notes. Uh, I am now doing more consulting as uh, I am working on supervising clinicians here in Grand Rapids. I am doing consulting with a few individuals in a distance manner who are not in counseling but are looking for ideas, some creative ideas, looking to reflect on some things going on in their life or their business. I will do that over the internet for a select few people. Uh, It is not counseling, it's not a substitute for counseling, so only contact me if you're serious about wanting to do some some consulting um, in that way, and I can give more details on that as I go. And I appreciate everyone for listening. Um, Another thing is I do recommend people using electronic medical records to make sure that you have accurate documentation and treatment plans. I use simple practice, and uh, if you do click the link, you get a 30-day free trial for simple practice and you can check that out and if you are in a psychological emergency please dial 911 now or go to your local emergency room or look up the national suicide lifeline i never felt magic crazy i never saw moons knew the meaning of the sea i never held emotion in the palm of my hand Felt sweet breezes in the top of a tree, but now you're here, bright in my northern sky.